Pull out your message notes. We're going to dive right into today's message. Uh, we're, we're talking in a series called Being Rich in What Matters Most. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, if you've missed it, I really want to encourage you to go back and listen on iTunes. You can go to YouTube. You can watch it at Anchor Ben TX. Um, and I want to encourage you to go back and, and watch and listen and really study. Last week was probably one of the best messages I've ever shared on giving and finances. Um, if you feel stuck financially, um, and, and, I, and many people do, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it and really allow God to speak to your heart about, hey, how do I get unstuck financially and really become a great steward of what God has blessed me with? Now, today I'm going to talk about being rich in good deeds, Rich in good deeds. See, God blessed us, and with the blessing of God in our life, there comes great responsibility. And we're going to go back to our theme verse, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. Uh, this is the passage where Paul is talking to his spiritual son, Timothy. Timothy is a pastor. And he is pastoring a great church. And so Paul is coaching him. And the letter's not really written to you and to me. It's to a pastor who pastors. And so watch at what Paul begins to tell him. And he says, look, from, from time to time, I want you to command those who are rich. That's not a suggestion. It's, it's a command. See, we're believers. And as a believer, we follow God. And come on, somebody. I, I don't get to vote. It's a theocracy, not a democracy. Do you understand the difference? Like, like a democracy means I don't like you, I can vote you, I voted you in, I can vote you out. How, how many have ever read something in the Word of God you didn't like it? Did you know you didn't vote in King Jesus and you can't vote King Jesus out? And so you get the option of do I follow what King Jesus says, what God wants me to do, or do I not? And that's your choice. And so he's telling them, look, I want you to command believers. He's not talking to unbelievers. If you're in here and you're not a believer, this isn't written to encourage you. Look, lost people do what lost people do. That's why it always bothers me. And I don't mean to go on a rant, but like when religious people judge sinners, I'm like, they're a sinner. They're doing drugs, they're sleeping around. They're, that's what sinners do. You did it too. But what we do as Christians should be different because now God has saved us and we've experienced salvation. And so he's saying, look, I want you to command, and he's talking to believers, those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And then look what he says, command them to what? To do good deeds. Look, what? Good, good deeds. Look, look you're going to do some. Why? Because God has blessed you. Because you can, because there's air in your lungs and breath in your body, there's strength in your body, there's, there's intelligence in your mind. God says, look, I want you to be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share. In other words, have a willing heart. He didn't say you have to give it all away, but he says be willing to. Now, how I many you know, you know, I'm not about just giving stuff away just to give it away. I want to give it away to the right person at the right time. This isn't a poverty message, but there's a difference between giving it away stingily and one that gives it away willingly that says, God, it didn't belong to me. I'm going to give it back to whoever you want me to give it to. Willingly share. In this way, you're going to lay for yourselves treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. There's a difference between living and true living. Breathing doesn't mean you're fully alive. 
Come on, I, I don't know about you. I don't want to just exist. I want to be fully alive. And to do that, there has to be a paradigm shift. We've got to get into the word of God and allow him to change us. God said, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And so God, help us to live fully alive. And for some of us, that means we've got to have a paradigm shift. A paradigm shift of how we invest our time and our talent and our resources, because the way we invest those things determines the quality of our life. And today, I'm going to help us be rich in good deeds. You say, why good deeds? Well, because good deeds are the taste the world gets of the goodness of God. So when they see our good deeds, they get a sample of God. Now, I don't know about you, but when Costco first came to town, I remember the first time Phyllis and myself and the family went to Costco uh, just down the road. It was a big deal. You guys remember that years ago? It was like, what, Costco? I've only been to Sam's. I'm going to Costco. So I got all my chitlins, all four of them, and, and my wife, and we jumped in the car, and we went out to Costco, and we pull up. And Now, first mistake is we were all starving. <laughs> you do not go shopping for groceries anywhere, much less Costco, when you're hungry. And so here we are, Phyllis is in one buggy, and she's got the boys, and I'm in one buggy, and I've got the girls, and we decided we're going to split. We're going to divide and conquer. She went one way, and I went one way, and I'm going to get some paper towels. And all of a sudden, as I was heading out to get paper towels, I spotted him. You know, the one with that, that cool apron and the cool little chef hat. We call them a, you know, a, a, a GFC, gourmet food consultant. <laughs> I parked the buggy. My girls are sitting there and they're smelling. There's this food and there's an aroma. I'm like, oh my God, what is that? There, there, there's an aroma. It was stir fry. Well, now I just left them and I go get the, the paper towels. I come back and put it in and they are begging me, dad, please, can we get a sample of that stir fry? Well, I'm not a big fan of stir fry. I'll eat it. But I'm like, sure, let's go ahead and grab some. So of course you got to have the adult. And the, so I get the sample, give it to her and give it to Addie and Raylan. And then I take some and I kid you not, there was an explosion of flavor. <laughs> Oh, all oh, that goodness. I, I hadn't tasted something that good in a long time, and it just, it's melting in my mouth, and I'm like, wow, that was really good, and I lean over, and this gourmet food consultant is telling me all about the ingredients and the, the vegetables and the sauce, and even shows me the bag, and I'm like, as I'm chewing it, I'm like, this is really good, but before I get any more information, I need one more sample. <laughs> She didn't know we were starving, so I tried to feed these babies. So we get one more sample, and I'm eating it some more, and she's telling me all about the package, and I stood there for probably four or five. I was mesmerized. And lo and behold, we put a couple of bags of that stir-fry in our buggy, and we headed off, and that stir-fry wasn't even on the grocery list for us to get. Why? Because it tasted so good. I wonder what your life tastes like to the world, to those who do not have Jesus on their list of things that they need in their life. Are they saying, my God, if that's what Jesus tastes like, 
I think I need a little bit more. Tell me about church. Tell me about small groups. Tell me about these outreaches that you are doing. Or, or are they saying, no, 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 no. Have you ever had a sample? You're like, no, that's good. You even threw what you had in the trash. You're like, no, no, that one wasn't for me. <laughs> Do they say, no, no, I've had enough. I've had enough. I've had it. That's, that's why he says it's not just about money. It's not just about possessions. It's about your good deeds. That when the world sees you, do they see Jesus or do they see a really terrible representation of yourself to them? Does it matter? Does it matter? Absolutely, it matters. We're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. Let me say that again. We are not saved by good works, but God saved us for good works. Look, I want to take you to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, 8 and 10. Now, now, remember this, and I want to preface it. You'll never do enough good works to tip the scale to make it into heaven. There's this fallacy that if I'm good enough, maybe I'll make it. No, no, you'll never make it. Your righteousness, your good deeds are as of filthy rags. The only way we will ever make it to heaven is for the great exchange that God, by faith, I put my hope in you to save me. Look at what he says. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Look, if you think good works will get you into heaven, you're saying Jesus' sacrifice was insufficient. That the blood of Jesus was not enough. It needs the blood and my good works. That's the lie of the devil. You could work your way as best you can and still go straight to the pit of hell, being deceived by the spirit of religion. And look at what he says. No, no, I don't want anybody to boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So I'm saved by grace through faith, but now once I'm saved, there's a divine assignment that God puts on my life. Why? Because he wants the world to see him in and through us. That it's our good deeds that are the sample for the world to see that God is good and God is real and he's alive and he's working in the lives of the people in this world. God says, look, I saved you, but I saved you for a purpose. You've got an assignment. Now go love people. Go serve people. I created you with purpose, but that purpose has a mission, a divine to-do list. Think about that. You got a divine to-do list. How many ever have a honey-do list? Got your name right on it. Look, she was like, uh-huh, baby, you listening? I got it right here. She got it pulled up. God's got a divine to-do list. For you, that's different than anybody else's. He said, here's things that I created you for that I didn't create anybody else for. I've got this list, and I'm asking you, would you do it? It's got your name on it. In fact, we, we say it like this. Have you ever had that moment in life where you say, I was made for this? Like you're doing something, and you just you come alive. And you're like, I was made for this. Like, like there's, and not that it's easy. Not that I'm always saying, woo! It was the easiest and the best. No, no. But when I'm done, I'm like, man, I was made for that. Man, that's what I was created for. So, some of you, you, you like to be outside. You like to do yard work. You like to work with your hands. Come on, Al raised his hand. That's me. That's me. You like to get your hands dirty, right? You, you come alive and you start talking about trees and plants. Don't ask me to plant anything because it will die, 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 die. <laughs> I can't plant anything to live, no matter what it is. But, but you love it. 
You love to till the soil. You love weeding and composting and all the different fertilizers. We had a uh, lawn guy who cut our grass, and the reason we had him cut our grass was because he, he was so enthralled. Every time I talked to him, he just got so excited. He's like, oh, yeah, and that's this kind of a weed, and that's this, and, and if I do a little bit of this, his name was Tony, if I do a little bit of this, it'll take care of that, and man, I wonder if I could move this over here, and he got so excited about what he was doing, he got me excited, and I hate yard work. <laughs> And it's amazing how God will use that. See, what will happen is you'll hear about some lady, maybe a widow, who lost her husband whose yard's overgrown, and you've got this hankering for your yard, and you're like, oh, I heard about a need. Where does that lady live? So you go, and you find her house, and you go outside. You ain't even got to call her because you ain't got to knock on the door, but you get your lawnmower. You go pull weeds. You put in some fertilizer. You go take care of her yard. Why? Because on the inside of you, you're using what you love to do to bless the world around you. And that's how God designs us. Some of you love food and hospitality. Ooh, you know what I'm talking about. You love food. Like it just gets you excited. And, and here you are, you'll go out and you'll make some chicken spaghetti for your family, but you don't make just one chicken spaghetti. You'll make three or four or five other pans and put it in the freezer. And your honey's like, why are you doing that? Well, because we might need one. You never know when we need an extra pan and you got it on the ready and you've been to Costco and you got your monogrammed napkins. You know what I'm talking about? And you're, you're elegant plastic cutlery. I mean, you got your gourmet meal to go on the ready. You hear about somebody coming out of the hospital and you're like, I gotcha. I gotcha. I was made for this. I've been preparing for this. I got it. And as soon as they get home, you're delivering this gourmet meal. And you're like, oh, it's nothing. I just, it just, yeah, it's nothing. <laughs> I'm like, nothing? Like, I couldn't do that if I tried to do that. Uh, I, what is that? That's, that's your God-given purpose. It's the to-do list that God's given. So, so what you do is you take your passion, you take what's inside of you, and now you just flip it to the world and you say, God, how can I use this in a moment to bless people? And what you'll notice is as you're listening to conversations, you'll hear something. Someone will say something. You're like, oh, I got you. It's not that the situation's changed, but now you're looking. How can I, how can I, how can I, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Why? Because you're on assignment. You know, for me, I love to pastor. It's funny, if you'd asked me 20 years ago, the one thing I said I would never do in my entire life was pastor. And I don't know why I said that. I have no idea. I just, I remember the moment where I'm like, I'd do anything but pastor. I was traveling, I was speaking, communicating, and, and I'm a business guy. And it's so funny that how over the 20 years I was telling Phyllis, I'm a homebody now. I couldn't imagine traveling. The best thing I get to do is pastor you. I love being able to pour my life into you. I love developing leaders. I love seeing small groups flourish. I love helping people uncover their purpose. I love discipling believers. I love reaching the lost. I was made for this. You didn't have to pay me. I would wake up and do this all day, every single day for the rest of my life. Why? Because I'm doing my divine to-do list. And some of you are like, well, I'll do it when it's my vocation. Listen, I was doing it before anybody ever paid me. It's not about you getting paid to do it. It's about God help me facilitate it. And some of you will do it vocationally and some of them will be bivocational. But here's what I know. Regardless, there is a divine assignment that God has on your life. And we need to be rich in good deeds, rich in good deeds, 
rich in good deeds. And some of you, your divine assignment, you're like, I, I don't have a clue what it is. You, you don't know. And maybe some of you, you might know what it is, but I want to encourage everyone in here. We have a class called Next Steps, and it happens after each and every service. It's right out the door to your right. There's a room. It says Next Steps over it. We have childcare and food provided every single week. It's a 45-minute class, and here's the whole purpose of the class, to help you discover your purpose. Your purpose. What's that? That's your assignment. In fact, today's step two, if you've not been, I want to encourage you to go into the class after the service. It'll be one of the best classes you've ever been a part of. They're going to teach you your personality. What is your personality traits? And then what are your spiritual gifts? Because we believe the design reveals destiny. That if I can uncover how God created me, then I can uncover the steps I need to do to fulfill the purpose. See, some of you are living the life everybody else told you to live. I'll never forget one time I had a lady, we started the church, it was two or three years into the church, she was a friend of ours from out of town, she had moved here, and I'll never forget, she said, I am a boss administrator, and I'm like, praise God, she's like, I'm so gifted at it, it's what I did in my other church, and I've done it for years and years, and I want to come and help you. And I'm like, that's fantastic, come on. She came out here, and we started working together, but a funny thing happened, I didn't feel helped. I felt frustrated. And I'm like, I don't understand. Like, you know, administration's your gift. And man, I thought, okay, I thought this was going to be a solution. And and so I'm giving her tasks, but it really wasn't happening the way I thought it was. Now, she wasn't doing what I needed her to do, but she was doing something else. She could attract people like something I have never seen. She was a gatherer. She had woo. And she just, people loved her. And what I asked her was, I said, hey, tell me about your spiritual gifts. Tell me about your personality. She began to describe it. I said, and I said her name, are you sure that administration is your gift? Because I really see you as a gatherer. I see you as someone who loves to be, yeah, yeah, that's what I love. I said, well, what's this about? And once we uncovered the conversation, you know what it was? Year after year after year, that's what her old pastor needed. And so he said, oh, you're good at administration. You're good at administration. She said, for years I've been frustrated. She said, but you know, now I realize this is what I was created for, and that woman would gather and gather and gather, and what happened? She stopped living everyone else's words over her life and uncovered God's design as he originally intended. Your divine to-do list. Now, I'm going to give you three things your good deeds should do in your life just real quickly. The first one, they should point to God, not yourself. Your good deeds should point to God, not to yourself. So when they see what you're doing, it ought to bring glory to God. There ought to be a tethering back. Oh, no, no, no. It's not that they just say, God loves you. That's all you got to say. Hey, God loves you. I love you. God loves you. Point back to God. Look at what Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16 says. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand that gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. Not so that you get credit. Not so that everybody says, oh, look at them, man. They're so good. No, no, no. It's what? It's to glorify God in heaven. That God, you would be the one glorified in my life. I like to say it like this. Your actions may be the only sermon people hear. There's a St. Francis Assisi. Here's a quote. He said, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Isn't that powerful? 
I learned that years ago, and it radically, if they, if they never heard a word, what does your life speak? What is your life speaking? What is your life speaking? Second thing good deeds should do, they will show others God's love by going the extra mile. Show others God's love by going the extra mile. Matthew chapter 5, verse 41, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Now, this was written at a time in history where Roman soldiers could ask anyone to carry their stuff for a mile. But the, the, the law was, it's only one, one mile. It's a thousand steps. That's it. This, you can't go any further. And what Jesus is saying is, those who are even cruel to you, those who abuse you, those who are taskmasters, though there may be a law, regulation, or rule, something that you have to do, when they ask you to do something, don't just do what they ask. Go the extra mile. Do more, give more, serve more, not because you have to, but because you get to. And that's how they see that God is real. See, you can say God loves you all day long, but when someone asks you to do something, you don't even do what they've asked you to do. Oh, I know your boss is unfair, and I know they're prejudiced, and I know they've got it out to get you, and I know all the things that you could say, and they don't deserve it, and they're not good enough, and, and, and I got it. But that's not what the Word of God says. No matter how much you don't like them, no matter how cruel they are to you, what if when they asked you to do something, you said, absolutely, but not only am I going to do that, I'm going to do more than. I'm going to go the extra mile. See, that's how you begin to step into God's grace. And now it's not about you. It's all about him. Because everybody else say, how could you do it? Well, I couldn't, but the grace of God allowed me to do it. Yeah, I know they're mean. I know that. But you know what? This is what I've learned. And here's what I'll tell you. The secret to life. Nobody can hold you back but you. Nobody can push you down. You're the only one that can allow yourself to stay stuck and to be pushed upon. But you stay planted. And what will happen is those people that are, 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 are jealous, those people that are rude, that are angry, they'll promote you and say, I don't even like you. But you know what? I'm going to promote you. Why? Because you learned how to be rich, not just with your words, but with your actions, your good deeds. You know, if you're scheduled to work 9 to 5 p.m., don't just show up at 9 a.m. That's what everybody does. Show up at 8.45. You got a meeting? Don't just show up at the meeting time. Be there early. Stay late. Ask the presenter. Ask your friend, hey, how can I help you? See, so many times we love to get people to help us, but I would ask you, when's the last time you helped someone else? And not just a boss. I mean, come on, somebody. It's always nice to help a boss. We call that a, mm-hmm. <laughs> Help someone that can't do nothing for you. Help someone that can't help promote you. Help someone that nobody else is helping. You, you see what I'm saying? It's, it's like I don't have a, a agenda. There's no manipulation. But God, how, and, and when you get a hold of this, it will revolutionize your life. Not just at work, it will revolutionize your life at home. I mean, th- think about your wife. She asks you to do dishes, husband. Don't just do dishes. Sweep the floor. Woo! My wife said, you ain't never looked so sexy. <laughs> preach, preach up. Vacuum the house. What what am I talking about? It's the extra mile principle. It's the more than you're asked. Students, listen, your parents asked you to clean the room. They would pass out if you cleaned your room and washed their car. They'd be, my God, what do you want? See, they think it's so hard. It ain't that hard. But you do something like that, I'd be like, what you want? What you want, boy? Yeah, yo, okay, cool. Man, my truck look good. Oh, you want to go see the movie three times? Go watch it three times, baby. Here you go. Don't tell nobody, though. No, you can tell them because I really liked what you did. What's the point? It's the extra mile 
principle. Here's what I would tell you. We're not going to live our lives defined by minimums. I don't live my life defined by minimum. Just getting by, just enough. No, 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 no. That's not how good deeds in God work. We do more than enough. We go the extra mile. Then the third thing, the last thing is, my good deeds will glorify God through his church. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Spur one another, like, like challenge, encourage, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And, and in the church, that's what it should be. It should be, I see what you're doing, not because you're being braggadocious or you're trying to get credit for yourself, but I'm watching your life and it inspires me. If you have friends around you and none of them inspire you, let me tell you, you've got the wrong friends. I always try to have friends that are, like I got a few that I'm trying to help come up, but most of my friends, I'm like, man, I watch what they're doing for God and I'm inspired the way they get up and love and serve and pray, the way they love their families. And it, it causes me to have a hunger to be a better man, to be a better husband and father and pastor and friend. And we ought to be spurring one another on. Just recently, my daughter plays soccer, Addison plays soccer, and I was asked to be the assistant coach, which uh, I don't know anything about soccer. I mean, you know, for me, real football happens with uh, <laughs> people like, Pastor, you done did it. I'm leaving the church. <laughs> I played football, not soccer. And so, look, Sharonda's like, oh, my God, Pastor. <laughs> so I, I don't know anything about soccer, but I'm willing to learn because of my daughter. And so I love the game now. I've been watching and play, you know, playing a little bit, not really playing. I'm helping them play. And, and it's been amazing when you watch the girls, how that they play better when not I'm telling them to do better, but when each other tells them. You know, Addison will kick a ball and maybe she'll make it or not. The other girls say, hey, that's okay, Addison. You got it. You get a little pep in your step. See, they expect the coach to do it. You expect me as the pastor to come around and pat you on the back. But what happens when the person next to you that you didn't expect, you're like, oh, wow. Come on, man. We got this. We can do this. We're in this together. There is something about it that spurs them on, and they play the best when they're engaged. Even the ones that are on the sideline. You know, we play five on the field, three on the sidelines. When the ones on the sidelines are engaged, that's why we do our giving moments. You know, you'll see it. Why? Because not all of you were at that place when we were, your money was making a difference. But we did have a team on the field. And so you know what's cool is you're sitting out here, you're like, that's my team. That's my team. Yeah. And you're cheering them on. You're like, come on, we can do this. We got this. That's what being a part of the body of Christ is all about. It's what I love about the dream team. I'm telling you the dream, we have the best dream team in the nation. In fact, yesterday we had a leadership conference and man, it was so powerful. Those of you that were here with Dr. Ken Boa, man, wasn't it so great? We had, we had dozens of dream teamers. Max was in the parking lot. Stefan was over here ushering and we had Maria and the hospitality team with all the food. We had the production team and David was back there running camp. We had the worship team and Alexis and it was amazing how that what we did was not hinged or predicated on one person, but it was a team of people that said, I'll get there. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be there. And throughout the day, they kept saying, man, this is a great event. Can't you see what God is doing? I'm stirred up. I'm fired up. I'm challenged. Why? Because that's what believers do. We're on a team. That's what I love about our small groups. Today, we are launching 37 different small groups all throughout the city. 
We have some serve groups. We have some free market groups. We got men's groups, youth groups, singles groups, marriage groups. And, and what, what is happening? You get in those small groups. You can't do life with everybody, but you can do life with the small group of people. And it's, this is the way I always look at it. I can't be there for everybody, but I got my men's small group. I got the fellowship. I got my staff. And I'm going to be there for their big days and their bad days. Man, we're going to celebrate big when it's time to celebrate, and we're going to cry hard when it's time to be sad. What are we doing? We're doing life together. We're glorifying God together. We're being rich in good deeds. And I want to challenge us today, not just to be excited and to hear a message that's, oh, yeah, yeah. But I want to challenge you to take this message outside these walls. Yeah, you, you, some of you are going to serve here today. You've got a second service. Hundreds will gather. And you're going you're gonna to be able to give it out as you serve on the Dream Team as a greeter, as a parking lot attendant, all those things. But can we take it beyond today? Can we take it into Monday? Can we take it into Tuesday? Can we take it into Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday? My, my challenge to you is this. Do a seven-day challenge. Seven days from this today to next Sunday, and say, every day I'm going to do one thing. What is it? I don't know. What's on your divine to-do list? I can promise you this, there's not a day that goes by that God doesn't have an assignment for you to fulfill. What is it? I don't know. Maybe it's to pay for someone's coffee at Starbucks. Maybe it's to pay for someone's holy chicken behind a, over at Chick-fil-A. Maybe it's to buy someone's groceries. Maybe it's to cook for that neighbor that you know just got out of the hospital. They don't come to our church, but they just got out of the hospital and they're your neighbor. See, we, we can't just proselytize to get people to come to church. We got to just tell people about the goodness of God. We got to say, God, I'm going to do it. There's no strings attached. I'm going to love people. And here's what I know. When you do good things for people, they always ask questions. Why would you do this? Well, because God loves you. Wow, he loves you. Well, where do you go to church? Well, you want to come with me? Invite them. Be a part of it. See their life radically changed. How do you do it? It's one good deed at a time. One good deed at a time. And I want to encourage you this too. You know, even this week, could we make a special effort to the firemen, the policemen, the first responders? If you see them, would you buy their meal? Like that's even, I, every time I see a policeman, anybody, if I can catch their meal, I don't care who it is, I'm going to buy it. I don't care what city they live in. I don't care where they're at. Why? I just made a commitment. They serve me. They serve this city. They serve people. And I'm going to do everything to outserve them and bless them. Isn't that great? In fact, look, I think we have, we do, we have some acts of kindness cards as you leave. I want to encourage you to grab them. The ushers have them. And really all it says is something extra to show you God loves you. And I always just like to do that because two reasons. Number one, I want them to know it was God, not me. It's all about God. And then the other thing is we do put the church information. Here's the reason why. You want to tether them back to a place where they can experience more of what they experienced. You hear me? It's like, hey, I, I'm, I'm, it's kind of like that sample. Wouldn't it have been terrible for me to get that sample at Costco and then not knowing where to buy it? No, no, no. I want to know where to buy it. I want to know where I can get more. So I want to challenge us this week. How many will agree to that? Say, I got seven days. God, I'm on assignment. God, I'm going to do something every day to bless people. And don't, don't overlook your family. Don't overlook those that are closest to you. 
Come on, husbands, love on your wives. Come on, wives, love on your husbands, kids and parents. And, and let's start in the home first and work our way out. Father, we thank, well, let me, let me just give you this, this last phrase. God has blessed me with more than I need so I can make a difference in the life of others.